sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free and we will stay free. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. What magic wand do you have? A really strong job report to start the year, finishing really after a very strong year last year. 2.6 million jobs created last year, and, and here the first month of this year, 304,000 net new jobs. That's more the economists had expected. And now, Stacey Washington. Oh yeah, it's Stacey Washington, but guess what? Today's Mueller Report Day. A day that will live on in infamy because certain people still have their tinfoil hats on, y'all. And when I say they have them on, they have the special tinfoil hats that they've created like origami. You know, the little special folded papers that's an art form in China and other Eastern uh, Asian countries. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about people who are so obsessed with the idea that the president's guilty of something that they have literally suspended all disbelief. They're willing to continue on with the witch hunt in perpetuity, forever and ever, to uh, paraphrase some other famous folks who like to opine. So we are not going to go on forever and ever, but we will be covering some of these things today. And then we have two fantastic guests for you in first hour. We're going to be chatting with Harmeet Dillon of the RNC. She's actually a national committee woman. RNC committee woman from California. She's going to join us to talk about the Mueller report. And then we're going to chat with Christopher Hale, former congressional candidate, former Obama advisor. Yeah, we're going to get a word from him, see what he thinks about the goings on. So we are going to get to all of that. But I want to first, we we can't help but start start things off with just a teensy little bit of info from Wolf Blitzer. Now, this was on CNN. And when I see the people over at CNN, well, first of all, they, they must have seen all of the memes and videos that we enjoyed so much after the 2016 election because they were much more circumspect. They didn't look like they were going to cry. Uh, it, it wasn't like an emotional caterwauling, you know, where, where people just release all of their feelings. It was much more, uh, how can we characterize it? Maybe just call it grown up. It was much more like grown ups were talking. So check this out. It's, it's Wolf Blitzer. Uh, He says it's almost a complete vindication of the president by Attorney General Barr. It's number three. All right. So there you have uh, almost a complete vindication of the president of the United States by the attorney general of the United States. Uh, He says, and we still haven't seen this nearly 400 page redacted report. And he says there are limited redactions, but several times, maybe four or five, six times. He said precisely, Jake, what the president of the United States wanted to hear. No collusion. Yeah, at least six or seven times uh, he made the the very clear point uh, that the special counsel found no evidence uh, that there was any attempt by anybody on the Trump campaign or associated with the Trump campaign or indeed even any American knowingly conspiring uh, with the Russians. He made the point several times. So uh, that's Wolf Blitzer and Jake Tapper talking there. And I just want to point out a little bit of the language shifts that we're going to see. And this is going to be your kind of your job, if you're listening to the news, 
Um, and I don't care which news source it is, you have to keep your radar up and, you know, and fully operational battle stations must be, you, you got to be powered up. And what you have to be powered up for is to be able to decipher exactly what you're hearing and if people are employing language that's meant to sway you or to convey a message that is the opposite of what the truth is. And here he says, uh, you know, it's almost a complete vindication. Well, that's meant to place doubt in your mind that there is something possible that when they get done combing over the redacted information and when they're able to drag this through yet another month, they want to have Mueller come in and testify before them. They're talking about the latest he could come in is May 23rd. Well, that gives them plenty of time to drum up a lot of suspicion and disbelief. And they don't have to drum far to get it because many millions of Americans who are solely dependent upon CNN and MSNBC for their news have been duped into thinking that no matter what the report says, even if the Russian government were to come out with their own report or come out verbally and one by one, oligarch after oligarch, proletariat after proletariat, anybody, anybody who's connected with the government from peon and soup kitchen worker all the way up to the very top, the people who vacuum the, the velvet rugs and the velvet carpet and, and, uh, and curtains all the way down to the guys who you know are in charge of the gulags, every one of them could come forward and say, he didn't he, he didn't collude with us. We were just hitting y'all because we like to hit you. We've been doing this for decades and we're going to keep on doing it. They could come out with documents from inside their government in Russian, not redacted, translated by an American who's a Democrat. And they would still say we missed something. A.G. Barr's covering something up. Mueller isn't the good guy we thought he was, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to be aware that that is the new landscape. The new normal is deny, deny, deny. Don't even admit that there's a possibility that he could be innocent. I was encouraged and discouraged by this morning. Um, I was listening to C-SPAN. So I went to C-SPAN on my phone to check and see um, when we were going to, you know, obviously hear the Mueller report, uh, well, the announcement, and A.G. Barr did this press conference. So I was listening to that. And then afterwards on C-SPAN, when there's a huge national event like that, whether it was Comey's testifying a few years ago, whatever, they always take calls and they have three lines. They have an independent line a Democrat line and a Republican line. And so what you're supposed to do is call the number that corresponds to your political ideology. And that is what people were doing. So consistently, the Democrats were coming on and sounding like, I, I'm, I'm not going to characterize it because that would be mean. And today's a nice day. It's Thursday. It's raining. And, you know, to God be the glory, we're all alive and we have so much to be grateful for. So the Democrats were calling in and expressing utter disbelief. The Republicans were calling in and saying it's time to move on. And the independents were calling in and saying they were skeptical. They didn't believe that the president was innocent. They thought that the Mueller report was going to be a huge bombshell and that they are relieved that the president never worked with the Russians. That is that is what I heard over and over again this morning on C-SPAN. People who are Americans calling in and saying, I'm an independent and I'm just relieved that he, he didn't work with the Russians. And... and some even said, I don't, this doesn't mean I like him, but I'm just relieved he's not working with them. So for that, um, and we're waiting on our call in for our first, um, our first guest, which is Harmeet Dillon. She's supposed to be calling in right about now. Um, we, what we had was just this in, complete and utter vindication, but we also have people who don't believe it. And then you have independents and not that Republicans and Democrats aren't important, but if you think about the people who are swinging their votes, who are literally voting based on the lay of the land, not an ideology, they're the ones who would be calling the independent line. And the independent line callers were saying almost to a fault, I listened for about an hour, um, that, that they were relieved that the president was not guilty and that they were moving on. And a few of them said, 
that it was really a, a negative for the Democrats and it was a super negative for the media because they made it seem as if there was no way the president could be vindicated. And so now they've got egg on their faces. How can they be trusted? I mean, it was interesting. It was really fascinating to listen because, of course, these are independents. I, you know, we have some independents who listen to the show, but the majority of our audience is not independents. Um, and so we, it, it was fascinating to hear them lay out their thoughts. Now, what does that mean going forward? Well, as you just heard, top of the news they were sharing, and then now they're going to go forward with wanting to interrogate Mueller so they can try to get him to say something on the, uh, okay, perfect. So they can try to get him to say something that they can use to bolster their argument that the president hasn't been vindicated. Right now, I want to welcome Harmeet Dillon. She's the RNC committee woman for California. Harmeet, thank you for joining us today. Happy to be here, Stacey. All right, let's talk about this. Uh, the president has been vindicated. He said no collusion. The rest of us have been screaming. We know there's no collusion. Now it's the facts are out. The truth is out. The, in, the redacted report is out. What's it going to take to make these Democrats come up off of their tinfoil hats and join the rest of us? Well, I don't think they are going to, Stacey, which actually may end up hurting them. I mean, for one thing, you can see uh, every Democrat running for president who I've seen on Twitter this morning has been fundraising off of their continued narrative that uh, now now the attorney general is wrapped up in this cover-up and Bob Mueller, too. Um, so they're beginning to look like you said, tinfoil hat, like kooks, and I, I don't think it really helps them. And on the other hand, you have a few more seasoned Democrats who are not running for president, like Nancy Pelosi, who kind of get it that it's more important for the Democrats if they want to win in 2020 to really advance their liberal agenda. But I don't think she's getting any love in the party. I mean, everybody wants to have the president's head. And I just think that that's ultimately American people are sick of that. They're sick of this witch hunt. And they really want to talk about solving America's problems. So, okay, yes, absolutely, Harmeet. (laughs) Because we do have some serious problems to solve, don't we? We have our opioid epidemic. Uh, We have ongoing relationship building with the North Korean dictator. We have a lot of foreign policy things that are going on with Russia, and they're they're seeking to push into Europe with their uh, natural gas, which Europe should be buying their natural gas from us. And then we have domestic issues with certain states, the sanctuary city status, also the maintenance of lands and and federally protected woodland areas in California that has been neglected due to environmentalists, which is causing wildfires. I mean, we could just go down, down, down the list of things that Americans should be concerned with. So. how, do, how, does, how does the RNC, how do Republicans, how do conservatives, how do people who can think straight for more than five seconds um, orient the voting public to the idea that we have now a clown circus on the left and on the right, we, we need some direction, we need some cohesiveness, but we at least clearly have a plan for addressing the problems facing, facing America? Well, I think you may be giving some Republicans too much credit there. I mean, I think the president and his administration certainly have a plan for moving this country forward on immigration, on opioid, on criminal justice reform, on mm-hmm. foreign policy matters, and on our, um, you know, protecting our American interests at every level. But some Democrats, some Republicans are still kind of, you know, not really with the president on immigration, for example. Mm-hmm. He's getting a lot of flack on that issue and some others. So I think Republicans need to come together behind the president and his agenda. I certainly am there, and, you know, all of my RNC members that I know are behind him. Um, and I think we need to like, really focus on that. I, I think that we need to sort of, you know, put a put a line under and a period after this Mueller incident and move on and be, you know, kind of focused on the future and not really keep dwelling in the past. But the Democrats 
dwell in the past. And while we're at it, though, I don't think we can forget that this entire episode that has derailed uh, the president's first two years and going into the third year of his agenda was caused by an illegitimate investigation that was started under the Obama administration and that involved numerous and pervasive violations of American civil civil rights. So I think that that also needs to be gotten to the bottom of. But, you know, that's the job of the attorney general. We all don't all in the media and, you know, every member of Congress need to be dwelling on that. I think that let let law enforcement do its job and let's move on and do the people's business. Okay, so, Harmeet, I'm I'm with you um, and I, I don't like giving credit where it's not due. Um, And I think that we do have some Republicans who are on board with the agenda, but it's not enough when we see people coming out against the president. Any move he's making on the border where he's got the entirety of the media and the the Democrats against him, it's an unfair fight because the media is supposed to be neutral and impartial and just report. So you've got this unfair fight going on as it pertains to the southern border. And then we have these stories, which I've been covering on the air, um, illegal immigrants making up 13 percent of the federal prison population, 10 percent of the DUIs in this country are due to illegal immigrants, you know, driving drunk. And the, the most horrifying one, the roving bands, mobs of people in Yuma, Arizona, confronting citizens, demanding food and shelter and everything else. They're they're there because they've been catch and released out into the country because we have crazy laws. Um, how do how do we move forward on that when the Chamber of Commerce and, and cheap labor people are actually kind of driving that and keeping the Republicans from having cohesiveness? Well, I have seen a lot of the never-Trump Republicans actually come around, the more intelligent ones, the fair ones, people with an open mind over the past couple of years. You've seen even some conservative television and print commentators who were absolutely opposed to him have come around and said, look, I mean, he's doing a great job on these issues that you just mentioned. And so I do think that he is uh, winning. I think this cloud being lifted off of his head is actually uh, going to give a lot more Republicans um, permission in their own minds to go ahead and support him for what he's done for the country. There is no viable alternative. I think the Bill Weld and, you know, the Evan McMullen wing of the party, the David (laughs) French folks, they're irrelevant at this point. I mean, like that was two years ago, three years ago. Hillary Clinton, who they presumably preferred for president, uh, has been exposed as, you know, knee-deep in this mess that has derailed our country for two years. Mm. And so, you know, nobody's standing, no, nobody's, nobody's really talking about their bad choices in the 2016 election. And then when you look at the Democrats who are running... Well, actually, Harmi, we are up against them. the break here. And I'm sorry, I'm, uh, we are up against the break, but I'd love to chat with you again Here's American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan, two Texans, support and believe in our ministry here at AFA and AFR. We know more about the laundry business than anything else. We know a little bit about a lot of things, but we know a lot about the laundry and dry cleaning business. They created a laundry detergent to sell to folks to support AFA. We just want to be able to provide a product that can be used by AFA to support the ministry. When you wash your family's clothes with Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent, you can take great satisfaction in knowing that you're supporting the vital work of the American Family Association. It's a unique way to increase your giving to AFA. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more about the Redeem Clean products when you visit redeemclean.afastore.net.
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I just talked to a friend the other day that I hadn't connected with for six months, and I noticed he sounded crisp and clear and full of enthusiasm. So I asked him about it. I said, what's up? He said, Crawford, I just returned from taking some extended time off, and I feel great. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to face the challenges in front of me. Well, I know the feeling. Rest is a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. God reminded the priests of it in Numbers chapter 8, verses 23 through 26. This is what applies to the Levites. Men from 25 years old and upward shall enter to perform service and the work of the tent of meeting. But at the age of 50 years, they shall retire from the work of service and not work anymore. They may, however, assist their brothers in the tent of meeting to keep an obligation, but they themselves shall do no work. Remember, the Levites had the responsibility of leading worship and performing sacrifices and the religious ceremonies associated with Israel. It was intense work, and it was very difficult physical work. God says, I don't want them to burn out, so when they turn about 50 years old, tell them to back off. Crank it down a little bit. I want them around for the long haul. There's a limit to what you can do. There are only three persons in the Godhead, not four. We all need to adjust to the seasons of life. We can't do the same things we used to do when we were 18 and 19 years old. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. It's not a sin to rest. In fact, sometimes the greatest act of service to God, yourself, and to those who love you is to take a break. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey there, welcome back to the program. Find out more at AFR.net and StacyOnTheRight.com. UrbanFamilyTalk.com is where you can register for our Marriage and Family Life Conference. It's coming up in the month of June. And it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest to the program. We have Christopher Hale, former congressional candidate, former Obama advisor. Uh... Christopher, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate being on the show. So let's talk about the release of the Mueller report. What's your take on <laughs> what you've seen so far? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting. That I think the way the Attorney General framed the debate, um, obviously Democrats are going to disagree with that. Um, I think the president should be confident, um, at least that with his base, um, the, the, the report's helpful to some degree. There's going to be, there's 10 stories that are in this report that um, show perhaps an attempt and Democrats are definitely going to argue that to obstruct justice. But from the beginning, I, I think it's really important to note that my side of the aisle has, has to be careful on moving the football. And really, the beginning of this beginning of this was about two questions, obstruction and collusion. On collusion, it's clear that the, the special counsel has come to a pertinent and clear, uh, uh, undeniable no. And um, on the question of obstruction, he's pundit on it. He's funded on the question and give it to Congress, but let's be real. Um, the votes aren't there. If I'm a Democrat, I would focus completely on winning the 2020 election. I do think at some point um, Russia fatigue is going to set in. And I think, I, think, I think Speaker Pelosi understands that. But short of the short, um, these are, there's some embarrassing stories of the President of the United States, but nothing that we, we're not, we ourselves are not privy to day in and day out. And I think it's important that the Democrats, we need to, and, 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 what, and simple words, to simply move on. 
let's start talking okay. about let's start talking about the 2020 campaign. Sure. And, uh, okay. So, but you sure said Russia fatigue. Yeah, but you said Russia fatigue. You said at some point it could set in. Don't you think the ratings debacle that CNN is currently experiencing is an exhibition of the collapse of Americans? Um, like their tether has been severed. They no longer have any tolerance for Russian collusion, impeachment, stories of the president being a Russian agent or a traitor. I mean, the, the Democrats have not only played, overplayed their hand, but there's a serious, like CNN can't survive with, you know, the kind of ratings drops that they've experienced since uh, the Mueller report and the summary was announced by Barr. You know, I, I, I hesitate to comment particularly on the uh, on on CNN itself, but I'll say this: I think that I think that there is definitely an exhaustion, even on my side of the aisle. You know, I think what's interesting to me is if you see over the past four months, really, um, you know, at the beginning of January, I wasn't sure, or I guess I would say right after the election, I was not sure that Nancy Pelosi should be the leader of the party. Um, uh, four months later, I'm convinced she should be, because she's really steered the party away from this from this obsession with Russia. And I think it's, I think you're right. I think that the the constant news coverage of the story, I'm exhausted from it. Um, I I don't support the president. There's no way. There's no way um, on on heaven's green earth that I I will vote for him in 2020. But I think that we need to start talking about other issues. And I think one thing I want to note on that, talking about TV, I would like I would kind of go on this. It's intriguing to me that Bernie Sanders goes on Fox News, a, 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 a network I contribute on almost every week. Um, he goes on Fox News um, this this past week and gets a good crowd, and he actually engages with his audience. And we know that Amy Klobuchar is now going on Pete Buttigieg is going on Fox News. I think the, Repu- I think the Democratic needs to get out of our silos. We, we have echo chambers. Um, we have groups that imagine themselves to have incredible power, but then you're right. You look, you look at our, our cable broadcast networks that are more often identified with the left. Um, they don't do well because really we struggle as a party to reach out to the rank and file Americans. And look, I ran for the United States Congress in one of the most rural and reddest states in this country. And I can tell you that on the doors, they weren't talking about Russia. They were talking about three things again and again and again. It's jobs healthcare and education. So I hope that we get back to the bread and butter issues. I'm exhausted with the Russia with Russia. I, I think that we haven't learned anything that is going to rise to the level of impeachment. And um, we can satisfy our base all day, but our base is not big enough to win this election in twenty twenty. And so we need to start we need to start seeking some converts out there. But and, and as wonderful as what you're saying sounds, you sound like someone who's moderate, who, you know, we could have coffee and discuss issues and really <laughs> dig down into things. That's how you sound, Christopher. It's probably why you're that. able to go on, you know, Fox News and, and CNN and MSNBC. It's probably why you can go on all three. But there aren't many people in your party who sound like you. In fact, the loudest portions of the Democratic Party right now are the three newest senators, Tlaib, Omar, and Ocasio-Cortez. And they are saying things that are frankly so ludicrous. 177 million people should give up their health insurance that's employer sponsored and go on some version of Medicare or Medicaid. Um, the, the, the Green New Deal, which I honestly, it's, it's so ridiculous that I'm, I, I'm still wondering if maybe when it was presented 
I was in one of those Alfred Hitchcock time warps or something and it wasn't real and I'm just remembering it incorrectly. Like it was a bad dream that was so vivid that I think it's real, but it wasn't. That actually happened. That was actually proposed. We rebuilt every building in America. Um, You know, no, no more hamburgers, no more cheeseburgers, no more airplanes. And we could then pivot over. Let's say those three are an outlier and they're getting too much media coverage. We go to Nancy Pelosi, who you were just singing her praises. She says there's no crisis at the border. Yuma, Arizona now has roving mobs of illegal aliens demanding things from the citizens. It's like a clash of civilizations, only instead of it happening in some third world pit, it's happening in America. And then the last thing I'll say, because there's so much more, I could go on for hours and hours, <laughs> but there's this big, this, this big thing that's happening, which is the president says he's going to send illegal aliens who are being released into the country because they're applying for asylum. Instead of just dumping them in red states and border towns, he's going to send them to sanctuary cities because sanctuary cities have designated themselves as safe spaces for people who are in the country illegally. And I saw Democrats last week when he made that announcement saying things, characterizing illegal aliens as pestilence, criminals, rapists, um, using terms that could only be construed by someone like myself who's permanently tanned as racist. Um, There were so many tweets and things going on from people with blue check marks, from real leaders on your side of the aisle. It made me think that they really don't want illegal aliens in this country. How are you going to reconcile that with 2020 when Americans are literally going to be voting for their lives because we are going to have over 1.5 million new residents of this country who are here illegally, don't speak English and are looking for welfare. And it'll be due in no small part to Nancy Pelosi and her leadership. You know, the way you frame that, I would totally disagree with in in short. I mean, number one, I think that there is a lot of hoopla and, and, and bluster on the, on the problem of the border. But illegal immigration is actually down significantly over from 15 years ago when we hit the, hit the, hit, hit the crisis in the first and foremost. Well, before we go two, over the years, the, the, the stats from 15 years ago, if you live in a border state or a border town, the stats from 15 years ago don't matter to you. What matters to you sure. is now. A couple of months ago, the, uh, the Trump administration released 17,000 illegal aliens into the country under catch and release, and they were simply bussed into cities and towns that weren't given any warning and released. And the numbers that you're quoting about 15 years ago sound fantastic, but the reality is we had 75,000 illegal entrants last month. They're expecting 100,000 this month, and they're, they're projecting 130,000 illegal aliens coming in next month. Even Jay Johnson, who was a member of the Obama administration, just as you were, said it's a crisis because during his tenure, they had 1,000 a day. Now in the Trump administration, they have 4,000 a day, no bed space, no ability to care for these people or to, or to really treat them humanely because it's just overwhelming our system. Well, I'll say this too. And question for you, actually, and I'll answer your question, but can I ask you, are you upset at the Trump administration for not being tougher on the border? Do you think they should, they, they should, go, they should go further on, on their policy? I don't see what else they can do. They're following the law. The Flores decision says they have to release family units after 20 days because you can't hold a child longer than 20 days. Um, I'm not upset with the president at all. He, what he has arrayed against him is not just Democrats who are completely out of touch on this issue and like to frame it as rhetoric instead of real people who are being sexually trafficked, real children who are being raped all the way up here into this country and then just turned out on the streets, 
1,700 dead bodies in the desert along our border, and that's only the ones they found. Uh, the, the rhetoric on the left is so incomprehensible, it it's defies imagination. And then on the right, we have a number of Republicans who are bought and sold by the Chamber of Commerce and won't cooperate with the president. I don't think he's – what more could he do? I mean, besides declare war and seal the border and you know all, every option that he presents – is utterly blasted by some Republicans and all of the Democrats. What's interesting? So, if you and I sat down, here's here's, here's what I'll here's what I'll concede. I'll concede that my party has gone too far to the left on the question of immigration in this capacity. The Democratic Party, from my experience, time and again speaks to people's highest aspirations and ideals, but struggles to speak to their to their real life concerns and their fears. And I think that what's problematic too is that I think. It's Problematic when the the, the uh, immigration uh, rhetoric from our party comes from folks who live the furthest away from the United States-Mexico border, and so I all concede that. But I do think that we have to have a level-headed approach on this. You know, I I I, I it's 2006 when when George George Walker Bush George W. Bush proposed a comprehensive immigration plan. I think we can go back to the table on that. Now here's something: if you and I sat down and said we we had total fiat and what we could do on this. Here's a deal I would make with you, and I'd be interested what you see on this. We, we could we could enhance border security, 21st century border security. I'll give you all the money in the world you want for it. But can we make a deal then that those who are here now, who have been here for decades, dreamers, um, and those who, who, who um, by choices of their family, have got their own, and they have a job, they pay taxes, can we legalize them? Would you be willing to play ball with that? Because if we came to that plan, I think that I think that Democrats should play ball with that. So essentially, well, they were offered that plan, but Christopher, they were offered that plan when about a year ago, President Trump said, "I'll give you every Dreamer, every DACA recipient, three point seven million, Which those of us out in the hinterland and unimportant parts of the country were up in arms and screaming and stomping our feet, like, "What did you just say? Did you say amnesty? Are you losing it?" He said he'd give them all of that if they would just give him an end to chain migration, the funding for the border wall, and uh, if it was one other thing, um, I don't know if it was E-Verify or something. It was some. It was something pretty, pretty banal. And your party said no. <laughs> they said no. We we're not going to do yeah, that. that. They prefer to have the dreamers as an issue, so that whenever these hard questions are asked, people like yourself and I respect you greatly. I, I appreciate you coming on the show, but you go instantly to dreamers and DACA recipients as if I'm some kind of, you know, uh, Attila the Hun fanatic where I don't understand that some people are in between a rock and a hard place and it's not their own doing. And my issue is not with dreamers and DACA recipients because I know the number of them, they roughly amount to around 4 million people, give or take. I'm concerned about the people who are in the country illegally, which the number that we've trumpeted for the past almost 20 years is 11 million but we now know that that number is somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 million. And I don't know if you know this or not, Christopher, because I'm permanently tanned. And those of us who are permanently tanned in this country, we number at about 38 to 40 million. So there's a very real possibility that if we were to legalize the DACA recipients and everyone else that you just named, that we could have more illegal aliens receiving the benefit of citizenship, which is a privilege we would have more of them than we have black residents in this country who are we're, we're natural born citizens and we have a, every right to be here. We're actually more closely related to you than you are to your European ancestors or I am to people from Africa. So I don't really think the DACA conversation 
is germane because that offer was already made and rejected by the Democrats, number one. And number two, the DACA recipients are such a minuscule number in comparison. We're talking about 10 percent of the total, which could be as high as 40 million illegal aliens in this country. It's such a huge problem. The enormity of it is difficult to grasp. And I think strictly going to the DACA recipients is just an end run around having the tougher conversation. Well, I think I want to go back to something you said, though, because I think that what, what we're missing here is that there is a vast majority of Americans that agree with two or three things. Number one, we should have border security and strong border security. We should have open borders. I think the vast majority of Americans agree with that. Which Number includes two, a barrier. What's that? It includes a barrier. And I'm not going to fight you on that. I just don't think it should be a medieval wall. I don't think it should be a wall to score political points. I think it should be a wall that works. Um, and we can find out that, but I don't want to go into that. Well, I, I mean, go all, walls work by their simple being a barrier. And medieval, characterizing it as medieval, it kind of insinuates that you live in some kind of modern dwelling that does not have walls. Wheels are also medieval. We don't see Democrats arguing against those. Um, you know, there are a lot of things like forks and knives that have been around since the medieval times. We never see anyone arguing against those. I think your characterization of a barrier as medieval is rhetoric. And I think if we're going to have a conversation, we shouldn't engage in rhetoric. A wall being medieval is like saying wheels were created long ago. The wheel was one of the earliest implements ever created by man. If we had a way to use wheels on the border, Democrats would oppose it because wheels have been around for thousands of years. That's like nonsensical. Well, it's interesting. The president's former chief of staff, he doesn't have one anymore. He had the acting chief of staff and he won a four-star general, a, the, the, the highest-ranking official at the White House, John Kelly. He said that the wall was rhetoric. And he said that there's 21st century ways to secure the border. But I want to ask you. Know, I mean, and Cher mind. said that illegal aliens shouldn't come to California. We can always find an outlier on your side or my side to say things that we agree with. The yeah, issue is not whether talking, or not. You and I are, you and I are, you and I are well, I'm not a talking head, actually. I'm not a talking head. I actually know enough about immigration to consider myself to be an expert. I've read all of the literature. I've read both sides, your side. I know what your side advocates for. I also know what La Raza advocates for. I know what the laws are in Mexico and all of the southern countries. I know what their laws are on immigration. I know what American law is. I know what Canadian law is. I know enough about it to be a fellow at some right-leaning think tank on immigration. I'm not a talking head on this issue. Um, well, and you, I, I, I appreciate where you're coming from, but I just, I have to stop you there because we have to have, if we're going to have a conversation, we have to come from a place where our words have the same meanings. Talking head means someone who gets paid to parrot talking points. I am not a talking head. Um, and you're pretty fantastic for coming on and jousting with me. I, I, I applaud you for that. Christopher Hale, former congressional candidate and former Obama advisor. I am at the mercy of the music, so we have to cut it short, but I'll talk to you again soon, and we'll be back with more after this. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book Uncommon Marriage. Leaning on your spouse for reassurance can be a wonderful thing in a marriage. Our son Jordan was born with some rare health problems. We had to see many doctors and specialists, first in Tampa, then at the University of Florida, and finally at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. This had the potential to disrupt our marriage. 
but we leaned on each other. We prayed together, and God was faithful. I'm more emotional than Tony, so I was upset by each doctor's recommendation that we see another specialist. Tony is more laid back, and seeing his calmness helped me. He reassured me that God was in control. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Coming next week on The Dwelling Place, Pastor Al Pittman continues to walk us through the Bible line by line and verse by verse to let God show us just how timeless His truth is. That's next week on The Dwelling Place. Bishop E.W. Jackson. Every single one of us who's been saved was once on the other side. You know, the Bible says, and such were some of you. Before I got saved, I knew things were wrong, but I figured as long as I didn't get caught, what difference did it make? But the thing is, he changes you down on the inside anyway, so that you don't want to do what's wrong. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. It's no secret that many of America's public schools are a disaster. In public school, teaching grammar school kids about transgender sexual habits, making them practice witchcraft using Ouija boards, indoctrinating socialism, and many other things have parents at a loss for what to do. Enter the copy committee. The unsung heroes of grade schools across the country are the moms who spend a couple of hours per week copying worksheets and handouts for the teachers. This job isn't glamorous or particularly time-consuming, and it's not exciting, but it is a great way to make a friend out of your child's teacher and get your eyes on every sheet of paper your child sees. We cannot assume our public school isn't engaging in these practices. Your child is in enemy territory, and you have to act accordingly. Monitoring the school can be a partnership with stay-at-home moms if you're a working mom. In other words, make it happen. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Um, Mr. Attorney General, it's not the Democrats who have questioned some of the process here. A Republican appointed judge on Tuesday said you have, quote, created an environment that has caused a significant part of the American public to be concerned about these redactions. You clear the president on obstruction. The president is fundraising off of your comments about spying. And here you have remarks that are quite generous to the president, including acknowledging his feelings and his emotions. So what do you say to people on both sides of the aisle who are concerned that you are trying to protect the president? Well, actually, the, the statements about his, his, his uh, sincere beliefs are, are, are recognized in the report that there was substantial evidence for that. So I'm not sure what your basis is for saying that I am being generous to the president. You face an it just seems like there's a lot of effort to say, to, to go out of your way to acknowledge how this Well, is there, is there another precedent for it? No, but it's a Okay, so that. unprecedented is an accurate description. Mm, the burn on that is still, it's smoking hot still. Because she tried to come at him and you don't go up against prosecutors and try to act like you have a better linguistic skill set than they do. These are people who not only practice the law and are wordsmiths, they think and process information differently, 
but they are so careful with their language because the wrong phraseology, the wrong statement can mean a conviction for someone who's innocent or someone who is absolutely guilty on the evidence walking free. So there was no way she was going to say he was saying unprecedented when it was really precedented. He roasted her on that and she deserved it. She should have just kept quiet and let other people ask questions if she didn't have anything else but problems with his language. Okay. I just, you know, (laughs) just saying that burn was well-deserved. So right now I want to welcome Jacob from Alabama. Well, let me make sure I'm right here. Yeah. Jacob from Alabama. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. How you doing, sister? I'm doing pretty good. I'm so glad it's really you because you know we had the trolls calling in. (laughs) (laughs) Keep that the limo. Keep that the (laughs) fuel. I'm telling you. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. The devil devil said, I done thrown out of Stacey and she still laughed. That girl crazy and going to somebody else. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully he's gone um so what what do you think i mean what what do you think about everything that's going on here like it's thursday right it's it's raining outside it's holy week we have the celebration of resurrection sunday coming up and everybody's like this Mueller report and actual redacted copy has been dropped in our laps now what do we what do we think everything has happened for a reason guys we got a timing holy spirit is about timing this is the perfect time uh, I grew up with people like Brother Christopher. Brother Christopher is what the, the street and different people call a white bread. In other words, he grew up in his community. He stayed within his little bubble. He stayed within his little safe uh, space. He never got into the larger communities like the ghetto and different places, even a little bit, to try to find out how do these people really think? Why are they in this condition? You see and when he talks, you can you can you can um, you can tell because honestly speaking, I grew up just like he did. But the key is, I had relatives in South Bronx, in Harlem, and Newark that my dad um, encouraged us to visit on a regular basis. And it opens you up to realize your world is not the whole world. And when he was talking, I could see it. And I went to school with kids like him, you know. And he just never got outside that. And the, the, the things he's talking about is so, the lack of another word, with all due respect to him, is juvenile as far as being politically astute about things. And, it, and it's okay for those people over there, as long as they don't come into my community mm-hmm. and invade it like Yuma, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, so the, what's happening yeah, to the residents that, of Yuma? Yeah, the, the people in Yuma can just, you know, go go eat raw eggs. Who cares what happens to them? But if you talk about sending them yeah. to Los Angeles or Orlando or, or Oakland or uh, San Francisco, all of a sudden, even Hollywood stars are like, wait a minute, I got to stop taking selfies and posting to Instagram so I can figure out what, what did Obama, he, this man said he's going to send yeah. people here. He can't send them here. We already have 50,000 homeless folks and most of them are vets. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone in Hollywood talk about loving vets. Like I was, I was just reading it thinking, am I awake? What, what's happening to me right now? What is this share? She sounds like she's one of my friends. What's happening? <laughs> I'll tell you the funny thing about it is, is that if you like brother Christopher, 
You are representing the whole United States, so you have to have a sensitivity towards these people. Even the way my dad brought us up, I'm glad he gave gave us me a, a sensitivity. Although I grew up in a, in a predominantly white school and all this kind of thing, and I and I love them. But the key is, if you're representing people for a Democratic Party or Republican, you represent the whole United States, and you have no sensitivity, and you're making up things from 15 years ago. And so, it's like yeah, you're I'm, totally out of touch. You're in the wrong yeah. job. Well, and it's it, it it is one of those things where um who who do we have on somebody we just had on yesterday I think it was or some somebody we just had here said that um you know if you don't live within twenty miles of a college or university a major one if you don't live within twenty miles of you know the, the East Coast or the West Coast or or some liberal enclave like New York City then your your opinion really doesn't matter and they honestly. And I know it's I actually think it's I don't think it's intentional. Like, I, I'll tell you, Jacob, I used to think it was a purely evil driven hatred type of a thing with Democrats defending illegal immigration. But when you talk to them, they literally say these kind of utopian things like we just want everybody to have a place. We just don't want people who are suffering from pe- fear of persecution and harm to not have a place to come in America. We're an asylum country. We're a nation of immigrants. But then when you say, well, why don't you have them in your home or why don't you have them in your neighborhood or why doesn't your church take them in and build a facility for them to live in? Then they start backing off of it because it's becoming real. So, you know, it, I don't have time for it. I, I think the people of Yuma, Arizona are our new standard bearers. We should be all They're yes. Yuma, Arizona. Yes. We are Yuma, Arizona. What's happening to them could easily yes. happen yes. to us. Yes. Yes. Now you're a real American. And he, mm-hmm. he, he's not a real American in the sense that he's not sensitive to all of the people he actually represents. Well, and again, I, you know, have whatever opinions you want, but make sure we're all dealing from the same dictionary on what words mean. Jacob, thank you so much for calling the show. And I hope you have a fantastic Good Friday tomorrow and Easter or Resurrection Sunday, whichever you like to use. All right, you too. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Talk to you again soon. Um, I think, I think the, you know, because I have nothing against people who hold a different view from me on immigration, but I, I, I lack the ability to actually hear someone talking about illegal immigration and using like the comparisons to 15 years ago. And, and it is important to have historical knowledge and data. So th- this isn't about me hating history, but I mean, so what happened 15 years ago is he's skipping over the Obama years and going back to when George Bush was president. So we all know George Bush wasn't the strongest immigration hawk, but how is that relevant? When president Obama was in office and he was actually in office for like, I don't know, a year or two and he was still blaming George Bush. Everybody I knew who was a Democrat was saying, well, it is George Bush's fault. It'll take forever for us to get out of the, the mess that he left. They, they wouldn't allow Obama to take responsibility. But we're supposed to go back to 15 years ago and, and get data from when George Bush was president. I, skipping right over President Obama, who instituted a lot of the, pro, the, the things that President Trump's trying to undo. I just don't think that's wise. Derek in Oklahoma. Hey, thanks for calling the show today. Hello. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Yes. All right. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to commend you for your in-depth research on and the points. You hit every point and you paid attention to everyone he was trying to make and when he was trying to say that the wall was primitive. I mean, that's ridiculous. Walls work. Mm-hmm. And uh, also my point is that... Uh, and uh, the bottom line is that they seem to be grabbing for straws when they talk about somebody being angry. 
that's all they can come up with when they would uh when Kavanaugh was being, you know, uh questioned. Oh, look, he's angry. Is that the best they can do? You know, so anyway, I just wanted to commend you for I mean, deeply doing your research. Thank uh, you, Derek. I appreciate I that. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I, and I wasn't saying that I know a lot about immigration to toot my own horn or to make it seem as if other people don't or anything like that. I'm just saying that because I have taken the time to read up on it. And I, I think the other issue is that when you do read up on it, it kind of makes you mad and really disappointed in our elected officials because you there's only two options. Either they know all this stuff and they just don't care. Or they don't know it, and we're paying them $178,000 a year not to know what any of us can find out by simply going to the websites and reading. First, you got to read all the stuff from the government. Then you read up on the sites that are like Numbers USA, uh, Center for Immigration Studies, those places. Then you go to the Heritage Foundation, which it's a think tank, it's not profit, it has a different orientation. When they write a paper, it is like, uh, curriculum style. You know, it's written for information sharing, not, and then if you go to their daily signal, you'll get more of an opinion news reporting type thing. And then you can find people who are doing the research or you can listen to them on YouTube and find out, oh, you know what? Um, you know, Mexico has stricter immigration laws than we do. And then you can find out if that's true by doing a search online. And so, of course, I'm a radio host. I've been talking about immigration for, you know, I don't know, eight years now. Um, and I think, when you have that kind of background where you're looking it up and reading stories and sharing news bits, um, it puts you in a position where you're either just going to go on the news bits that you've read or you're going to go a little deeper. And the only reason I've gone a little deeper is because I've not been able to believe what I've heard. I've actually thought, I'm going to look this up because this can't be true. And instead, the worst is true. And that is enough to infuriate you. It just drives you out of your mind. All right, let's go to Charles in Texas. Hey, Charles, thanks for calling the show. Welcome in. Thanks for calling. Hey, Stacey. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Hey, uh, I was just want to, I want to commend you. Last week you had a guest on your show uh, talking about the death penalty and your point on everything you said. Today you had another guest on your show who did not know the president had opened up amnesty and your point on with everything you said. Lady, hey, I love listening to your show. You're great. Keep the good work up. You know we're close to being a talking head. Thank you, Charles. Thank you so much for, for that. Um, I know I I definitely have my criticisms of the president, um, which I have shared on the air. But on immigration, you know, it's like blaming someone who's standing in front of a, a uh, one of those enclosures, a dam with the holding the water back, right? And the person's standing there with everything they've got. They've got plywood, they've got caulk, they're trying to stop this leak. And when pieces start falling and more water starts pouring out, the person is doing all they can, but they're alone. Or they maybe have one or two people with them. It's like saying hey, the fact that this dam is bursting is your fault instead of blaming the people up at the top of the dam who have all the money and all the resources and should have been maintaining it and shoring it up and keeping it well-maintained so it wouldn't break, let them off the hook and blame the guy at the bottom who's got, every, you know, he's got everything he can find, paper towels, plastic, he's trying to caulk it, he's trying, you know, he's got an engineer there who's telling him, there's nothing that can be done, get out of the way, you're going to die, and he's still standing there trying to fix it. That's my analogy for what I see with the president, he's trying everything there is to try. 
And the only reason he's not making good on some of these heavier threats, like shutting the border with Mexico, is because he has party leadership like Mitch McConnell coming out against him on it. And then, of course, when Mitch McConnell does that, everyone in the White House who is partial to him then goes and gets in the president's face in his ear in meetings with him and gives him all of the research and data on why he can't shut the border. And and remember, he would only shut it for a period of time. It would be a temporary closure to force Mexico to deal with us. So he can't possibly be to blame for this. He's literally the cleanup man. That's like after there's a big, huge party or a rally or a protest, you see a bunch of people who work for the city cleaning the street. And you go up to them and say, wow, you're awful. Look at this place. It's a nasty mess. And they say, oh, no, we're the cleanup crew. We're just here to clean up. There were 100,000 people here today. Who cares who was here today? This place should be spick and span. Why is it filthy? It's your fault. You blame the cleanup guy. I know any janitor worth their salt would say, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I got a job to do. I'm going to clean this place up. And I don't care whose fault you think it is. I'm here to clean it. That's the job the president is trying to fulfill. And he is an imperfect human being. He's never going to be perfect. If, if that is the expectation, then why didn't you expect that of President Obama? Why wasn't he perfect? Why wasn't George Bush per- perfect? Why wasn't Hillary Clinton perfect? Why didn't she win? And, and so the expectation cannot be that he's going to be perfect, never make a mistake, never get angry at the way he's being treated and you know tweet something that you don't like. Forget all of that. Rise above it. I keep going back to, ever since I read this story yesterday, I keep going back to the people in Yuma, Arizona, living with this situation and all the crime, the border border towns, border cities, border states, the crime that they experience, the rapes, kidnappings, murders, the carjackings. They live in a part of America that is no longer like the America that most of us know. There's crime everywhere, but they're living in areas that are beginning to resemble third world countries. And we're arguing Christopher and I over DACA recipients. The DACA recipients aren't even the main event. It's like if you go to someone's house and they say they're going to serve you dinner and they keep bringing you out appetizers, tiny salads, you know, tiny little things of beets and cheese, tomatoes and cheese, little bruschettas, even if the bruschettas have meat on them and, and all evening long, they just keep bringing you appetizers. The DACA recipients are the appetizers. The main meal is up to 40 million illegal aliens living here among us, working, taking our jobs, increasing our taxes, going to our schools, having more anchor babies, and degrading the quality of life for Americans. God bless them, but they belong in their home countries. All right. You know what? Happy Good Friday to you. God bless you. Get in the pew this weekend and thank God for the ultimate sacrifice. So glad to be with you, Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Urban Family Talk. Urban Family Talk.